George Chavalo, professional boxer, 93 pro fights. He's never been knocked down. You might ask, Ab, he's never been knocked down, but who did he fight? I'll tell you who. Folks like Frazier, Foreman, and even twice, Muhammad catches Clay Ali and never been knocked down. George is not only a warrior in the ring, but also outside the ring, fighting some really serious personal battles. He's lost two sons to drug overdose, one son to suicide, his first wife to suicide as well. And uh, what a tough guy. What a true warrior in every sense of the word. And this week on Book Guys Show, we are proud to have in studio the one and only George Shavalo. Talk about all this and his new book. Get it now, folks. Shavalo, A Fighter's Life. Guys show is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys and get George Chavalo's book for free just for signing up for a free trial. This is the Book Guys Show episode 102. And guys, I got to tell you, Jimmy, Professor Allen, I am excited. I mean, I, mean, I almost don't want to do our what you're reading section because I'm sitting right beside the champ. I really want to get into this, but uh, we're going to start off by saying my name is Paul Alves. Most of you know me as Paul the Book Guy, and I am joined all the way from North Carolina by my good friend, Sir Jimmy. How you doing, Jimmy? Hey, man. Fresh out of training camp. Happy to be here. Good to see my buddies again. Yeah. Don't ring that bell too much. George might think the, the fight's starting. He might knock me out. <laughs> right. Get your dukes up. Yeah, I'll get my, no, my dukes up won't help. And all the way in central Ohio, he's an, he's an actual professor, believe it or not, folks. Professor Allen, how you doing, professor? What is the exact opposite of a professional boxer, university professor? There you so. go. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we got the yin and the yang. This is great, guys. And uh, George, how you doing, sir? I'm okay. I'm not too bad. It was kind of relaxing the last couple of days. Taking it easy. This is good. This is yeah. good. And nice to see you. And, you know, we normally start by talking about what we're reading. I know you've been reading some stuff. We all been, have been. Uh, let's go through. First of all, I know, Jimmy, you and I, we are reading the same book. We're listening to the same book by We're Russ Baker. We're the same book, reading it. The Family of Secrets, all about the Bush dynasty, how George Bush and his father, George H.W. Bush, Poppy, and his father, Poppy. Prescott Bush, <laughs> decided 100 years ago to take over the world. And I think it's right. still happening. Absolutely. I got to say, Jimmy, uh, like, you, uh, like you said before the show, we normally don't talk before the show, but it's a slog. We really are going through this slowly. It's so full of facts and whatnot. But I got to say, I started off, before reading this book, thinking of the Bush family as, you know, like, they're powerful. They're like the kings of America. You know, it's always Bush, Clinton, Bush, Clinton. It's always a Bush in charge somewhere. And I mean, uh, George uh, Poppy Bush has been there since the Nixon, or even before the Nixon regime. Like, he's been... He was there, he was there before Kennedy. 
Yeah, like his, his office in the White House has been there 20, 30 years. You know, he probably still has an office there. And I always thought of them as, you know, uh, hang on here. Douchebag. But I got to say, after listening to the first half of this book, they are douchebags beyond my belief. To the point yeah, where who, I, I'm... Who knew that uh, George H.W. Bush was in Dallas, Texas on November 22nd, 1963, the day Kennedy was killed. Right, right. So uh, to the point where, I, I, exactly, that's the first thing I was going to say is that I'm pretty sure now that uh, Poppy Bush, Bush Sr., was involved in that somehow. Well, he, he was involved in some way. You know, if a butterfly flaps its wings, it's going to rain in Malaysia. Right. And that son of a bitch was in Dallas, Texas on that day. That, it stinks. Right. And Russ Baker is credible. I mean, he's a, he's a decent author. And uh, all the interviews he did with people, he didn't just make this up. It's not a conspiracy theory. And... Family of Secrets, wow, is really opening my eyes to the Bush family. And this is not the Amheuser-Bush family, folks. We talked about that book a few weeks ago, or oh, maybe 10 episodes ago. Uh, interesting read, very slow, lots of facts. It's just around every corner, it's just like, oh my gosh. It's just, I mean, you don't even really have to read the whole book. If you read like a quarter of the book, you're already sold on the fact that there's so much being, you know, just hidden from you and right. you know the wolves pulled over your eyes and you know I, I was born in 1973 a bunch of this crap I'm, I'm just now getting up to the Watergate era so it's just now getting up to yeah. things where I was born and Bush was involved in Poppy I mean oh yeah no, he's, not not even, he's not even vice president yet and <laughs> right. I already hate the guy Ju- Junior is still drunk driving <laughs> yeah <Yes. laughs> hey Professor Allen uh, what's on your reading list Turn your mic on, Professor. For Christ's sake, we don't edit. I was going to say, as usual, nothing nearly as serious <laughs> or as uh, important or critical as what you guys read. I was reading uh, the book that I'm just about finished with is a Marvel Comics-based novel called Doomsday, featuring the Hulk, Spider-Man, Black Cat, George H.W. Bush, and, of course, Doctor Doom. Okay, I made one of those up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now, I've read a few dozen comic book-based novels, and obviously they range in quality like Star Wars novels or Star Trek novels, but this one was pretty good. And generally, the Marvel ones are actually a little bit better than the DC ones, in my experience. Just a little hint for all you readers out there. And then also, the book I've got next is by friend of the show, Mer Lafferty. Ooh, nice. Guest way back in episode 82 of the Book Guy Show. She's got a new book out, the sequel to The Shambling Guide to New York City. The second book in the series is The Ghost Train to New Orleans, and I ought to be getting to that over the weekend, probably. And I just checked. Murr is not online, so we're not going to Skype her in, but I'd uh, be glad to have her. Maybe next week we'll do that. Let's get Murr on. She's a wonderful guest. I love her. And a great author. Absolutely. And sometimes our guests also uh, give us a book pick, and uh, I'm told that you're a reader, George. Uh, You're not just a writer <laughs> or a yeah, boxer. I, I, like to read, I like to read what I enjoy. I like to read, uh, you know, biographies, and I like to read. Uh, well, my favorite book is Celestine Prophecy, which talks about meeting people and why you meet people, why you meet certain people, and the influence they have in your, they can have in your life. That was a very interesting book. And I also like I like anything by Norman Mailer. Nice, and nice. Norman Mailer is a He's a guy's guy. He's yeah, a, the man's man. The man's man. He, 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 he gets inside of a fighter's head. Yeah. And I'm reading this stuff. I was like, holy mackerel. It's like, 
I, I can identify with whatever he says about fighters, the way they feel yeah. before a fight, during a fight, after a fight, and uh, what makes a fighter, so to speak. So, no, Nora Miller is he's a man's man, and, and he, uh, the books is almost like a Hunter S. Thompson. You know, Hunter S. Thompson is a scrawny dude. But he's a man's man. Like he, yeah. he likes to drink whiskey and shoot guns. You know, that's <laughs> pretty cute. So, so gentlemen, uh, book guys, Celestine prophecy. What do you say? Let's let's do that for next week or uh, maybe next couple episodes. Let's do that. A pick. Making a note from George Chavalo himself. Yeah, that sounds you'll good. Like the book. You'll like it. Very interesting, and it talks about. You know, like people meeting people and the reasons they meet them and the effect they have on another yeah. person's life. One another, and, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. everyone you meet changes who you are. Yeah, adds something to your life. Adds or, something, yeah. Or takes something right. from you. Or life. takes it away, you're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not always positive, yeah. right? Give and take. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, you had some pod- Do you want to talk about some podcasts or you want to head right into the break? What do you say? I don't know. I'll, I'll, let's, I'll just throw in one podcast. It's oh, called- hang on. We, we got to play the jingle for Christ's sake, man. Podcasts. So All right, tell, tell it's called the Nosh Show. N O S H, as in, oh, those uh, French fries look good. I'd like to nosh on those. That's a little British thing. Yeah, and it's three guys, and they all do blogs. One guy does a blog about ice cream. The other guy does one about junk food and fast food. And the other guy does one called Grub Grade, which is a, a blog that I look at all the time. Like, they got a brand-new chicken sandwich at Chick-fil-A. It shows you a picture of what they say TV it looks like and the picture of what it really looks like. Right. It shows you what it tastes like. You know, uh, this episode I listened to earlier in the week was all about Taco Bell's new breakfast. <laughs> which yeah, is crap and, and they talk about you know new snack foods and just junk food and stuff and it's just three guys talking you know sort of like us interesting show the nosh show the nosh show speaking of nosh uh george we just found out now that you don't you don't eat pork now i, I want to know you're 73 now i'm 76 you're 76 77 wow september 12th i was aiming high 76 uh-huh. good christ you are in good shape so, so give, give, give us youngins some uh, tips. What should we eat? What should we not eat? What should we not do to, to make it to your age and, and be well, in as I, good health as you are? I think what, what we all need is uh, exercise. I don't think you can yeah. really enjoy a high quality of life unless you do work your body. Your body's yeah. a machine. You don't work yes. it, it'll, it'll die on you. you know, but you've got to work your body. You've got you to do it to make you feel good. I know when I work out, I work out just about every day. And I go to the gym, I hoist a little iron, and uh, do a little little aerobic stuff. Uh, but uh, I, I just know that I can't live without it. I know how much better I feel when I do lift, and how much better I feel uh, generally, even, even mentally. Uh, how it elevates your sense of appreciation of life, really, yes. in, in so many ways. And when you, when you work out, you just feel better. You've got endorphins that let off in your brain, and you feel better. And... Uh, it's simply put, but it's true, and uh, and you and you like feeling good. I like feeling good, and I like I look forward to lifting weights in the morning. I usually lift in the morning, uh, lift for only half an hour or so, but that's enough for me at my age, and uh, I feel good about it. I feel happy that I'm disciplined enough to do that. You know, once you get into into a habit of doing it, it's kind of hard to break the habit. You don't feel yeah. you don't feel right unless you do lift. Uh, you know. Just about every day. Something's right? missing if you don't yeah. do it in the morning. Yeah, that's right. Morning's a good time to do, at least for me anyway. I'm a morning guy anyway, so <laughs> I am so not. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a secret. Morning 
live longer. That's right. Early to bed, early to rise. There you go. Make Fish some like and make up lies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play a promo from one of our Torontonian guys because you guys got to step it up. You got to step it up. You got to bring us some Americanos. This is becoming the all-Canadian book show. Come on. <laughs> hey, it is bookguys.ca. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but CA could stand for Canadian-American. You guys, you know, come on. Come on. We'll be right back after this break, and we are going to talk to the champ himself, George Chavallo. Hey, everyone, this is Les Stroud, and I am still surviving out in the bush. As a matter of fact, I'm walking my dog in the snow while I say this. I've also got lots of new Survivor Man shows coming on TV, and I'm really proud of the fact that my new book, along with the photography of Laura Bombier, is called Beyond Survivor Man, which is going to take you behind the scenes of how I made the series Beyond Survival. Got lots more coming, more books, more concert tours, more Survivor Man. And you're listening to The Book Guys. And we are back, and i got to play the jingles, guys. I think I practiced this before. You know, you know when I play two jingles at once? Here's how it goes. Nonfiction. And we are here with George Chavallo, the author the man behind A Fighter's Life, the champ himself. And uh, George, I'm going to start off by asking you, uh, how did you get in touch with your co-writer, Murray Gregg? Well, Murray uh, was, has been a friend of mine for quite a few years. He's a sports writer for the Edmonton Sun, and he used to, he used to uh, be the fight guy for Edmonton. And uh, I met him, and we, we started talking one day about you know, me writing a book about my life and so on. So he wanted to help me, so we... We said we've got to do it 15 rounds, 15 chapters, just like 15 rounds. And, uh, and basically, uh, we, we worked on it for quite some time. The only, problem was, the only problem was that it was sounding like him. It was sounding too much like Murray, right. and I had to change it. It took an extra year and a half. Wow. To change it, I said it got to sound like me, Murray. Right, There's stuff in there that sounds like you. <laughs> it, that can't it can't be that way, you know. But Murray understood, so I I changed a lot of stuff so to make it sound more like me. Otherwise, it was sounding like yeah, him. Yeah, of course. And, and yeah. I didn't want that. I wanted it to sound like me. I wanted it to be my mind, my words, my feelings. Right. Put in the paper forever, so uh, I had it had to be the, the, like that to sound like me. That's, yeah. Simply put, and, that, and it took me an extra year and a half. I'd have changed everything. But anyway, uh, he helped me structure it, 15, 15 chapters, just like 15 rounds in a, in a title fight. And, uh, and it went, uh, went fine. I think, I, think, I think it's a good read. Everybody tells me it is. It's an easy read, and, uh, and I got a chance to talk about a lot of things in there that maybe the people didn't know about, about me and uh, about my background, about how I grew up and so on. And uh, and and I, I've gotten a pretty good response. Most people, uh, from everybody yep. who's better. I haven't had a bad uh, comment yet, so that, that's kind of good. <laughs> that, yeah. This is very good. Yeah. Now it's not just about your your professional life. It's also about your personal life. I mean, you've got a lot in there. Yeah. And it's not just about you as a fighter. You you do describe a lot of the other boxers and how they fought and yeah, yeah. how they were. Yeah. Uh, but but let, let's start off talking about your career. Uh, I mean, you, you've got, there's a statue to you in, in Sarajevo. 
you know, you're, you're the world. And Lubushki, which is in Bosnia-Herzegovina. Okay. Sarajevo is the capital of Bosnia-Herzegovina. Okay, yes, yes. But the, where I, my folks come from, it's a little wee place. Yeah. In the southern part of Bosnia-Herzegovina. And uh, and they have a statue there of me. And, and I got a whole bunch of relatives down there. I got, <laughs> I got dozens and dozens and dozens of them down there. And they, they have a chance to see me, you know, uh, in, in, in that mold uh, every day of the week. So right in the middle of town and in a small little place the whole place is small and uh, they live close by to the center of town and uh, they get a chance to see it every day so I know at least I know that because it's there they're thinking about me each and every day absolutely. absolutely let me ask you a question George if I may this is uh, Professor Allen were you were you ever able to to fight over in Yugoslavia did you ever have a have a fight over there or yes I did I fought uh, I fought there on um I believe it was August the 15th, 1970. I fought a guy, I can't remember his name, but he, his main claim to fame was that he was the first guy to knock Joe Frazier down in a fight. Okay. Joe stopped him later in the fight, but uh, he had Joe down in the first couple of rounds, and uh, that's what they built the fight around, me, me fighting this guy from Philadelphia. And uh, anyway, the fight went okay. I knocked him out in a couple of rounds, and I don't think I've had a, such a rousing appreciation Sure. of being a fighter and feeling that uh, the kinship of the audience who to a person I think was for me I don't think one guy was for the other guy <laughs> so I've never had that happen before I'm and, sure uh, that helps oh yeah and it was uh, it was quite a place it was the Kosovo Stadium and the Kosovo Stadium uh, uh, held the uh, hosted the Winter Olympics uh, oh, sure. uh, a few years before I was there in that particular fight and uh, the audience was you know, just overwhelmingly for me, naturally, because I, my folks are from there, and, and so naturally uh, they'd be uh, for me. And I don't, there wasn't one dissenting <laughs> cheer for the other guy. Nice. So, <laughs> so he, he, felt, kind of, he felt kind of lonesome I, I just, for the, the round and a half Google. he was there. I just put into Google, George, Shavalo, and it quotes August 15th, 1970, and it came up with one, exactly one link. And it is, it shows that it's the exact right date in Bosnia Herzegovina. Uh, Mike Bruce. Mike Trout. Bruce, that's the guy, right? <laughs> yeah, he was the guy that knocked Joe Fraser down the first time. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Have a memory, Mike Bruce. <laughs> no, no, uh, I was born in '72, but for me, uh, a little bit of a boxing fan. I'm an MMA fan as well. We'll talk about that later, but. Uh, Watching on YouTube, which didn't exist when I was a kid, but now watching it, one of my most memorable fights of watching you as a young man is 1966, Maple Leaf Gardens. Me and Muhammad. Muhammad. <laughs> Cassius Clay himself. Yeah. Well, and uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, that was pretty exciting in a way. I mean, it was kind of... How, how did you uh, get booked for the fight? Well, originally, Ali was supposed to fight Ernie Terrell. And Ernie Trell pulled out of the fight because his manager was threatened. Oh. And, uh, excuse me, uh, his manager of record was a guy called, uh, I forget his name anyway. But anyway the names are important. Yeah, he, he was uh, acting as kind of as a, a, t- as a, a tough guy, and he, w- he was connected, and he went to see uh, Muhammad, and he went to Muhammad Ali's trainer's uh, uh, office in Chicago 
and threatened uh, uh, Herbert Muhammad, son of Elijah Muhammad, head of the Black Muslim Movement in America, and all. Herbert Muhammad I do after he was threatened was click his fingers and the, there's a whole bunch of oh, fruit of Islam guys these are guys who converted to Islam inside in, in jail converted to Islam and they were working as a group called the fruit of Islam wow. for uh, uh, Elijah Muhammad's office in Chicago and the, the, they beat the living daylights out of Bernie Glickman uh, who was the manager of record for uh for uh, Ernie Terrell, and uh, so that fight was up. So they had to get another one in 17 days. They, because there was so much just uh, over two weeks. There was so much animosity, so much confusion, so much uh, 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 bad publicity about Ali because at the time because he was he didn't want to go to the army. Right. So the fight was chased out of the United States of America. He and Terrell weren't allowed to fight in any state in the United States of America. So the fight went to Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Uh, but since uh, I was from Toronto, and the most logical guy to fight Ali after Terrell uh, uh, got messed up, uh, they called me, and uh, I had a little bit of fun with Mike Malice. He says, George, do you want to fight Muhammad Ali in 17 days? I said, hold on, Mike. Can you get uh, I'll just hold on. I'm going on the other line and ask my wife what we're doing that night. She said, so, <laughs> can I get permission? So I phoned her up. I said, Liniani, what are we doing the 29th of this month? She said, nothing. Why? I said, you're going to the fights. Who's fighting? I said, me. Who are you fighting? She, I said, Muhammad Ali. She started laughing. I said, don't worry, doll. I'll, I'll catch you later. So I went back, back to, the, uh, to the phone, to, to the other line. I said, okay, Mike, uh, we're on. The fight's on. I talked to my wife. We're not doing anything special that night, so we're okay. <laughs> but I hoped to do something special. That beat Ali. Right. That's what I was trying to do. Yeah. But anyway, that's a tall order. I, anyway. I think, if you, I'll be honest, I, I watched it, and I know the story, but I think three more rounds, you would have killed him. Like literally, I, I, I think I, I think I had a little more stamina, a little yeah. more gas in the engine at the, at the end of the fight. And if the fight went a few more rounds, I think I would have been all right. Well, I have to ask George, okay. where, where did you go after the fight, and where did Muhammad Ali go? Well, Muhammad went straight to the hospital after the fight. He went to St. Mike's Hospital, downtown <laughs> Toronto, uh, bleeding with bleeding kidneys. He, he was passing blood for about a month and a half. I heard after the fight. As a matter of fact, uh, he told my son that he couldn't have sex with his wife for a month and a half after the fight, and apparently she's still <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hang on, and where were you after the fight? Well, I went back to, to my uh, house for a party. I went dancing with my wife. <laughs> so, uh, so I, always, I always say loser goes to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, but this is why I say, if you had three more rounds, yeah. and uh, Ali was as stubborn as you are. Yeah, stubborn as a girl. He's a tough guy. He's not Come on, he would never. He, he wasn't would never world champion for nothing. You know, he you know, you know. But I think three more rounds. He he uh, literally would have stood there until you killed uh, him. So uh, it's, maybe it's a good thing because uh, then you would have been. You wouldn't have been the guy that you know went toe to toe with Muhammad Ali twice. You would have been the guy that killed him. There you go. So <laughs> you know, at least he survived and had a good life. That's right. Um, otherwise, guy. he would have finished him that night. I think in '66. Uh, well, I, uh, my. <laughs> My stamina was never a question. It was a tough fight. I was, I was tired at the end of the fight, so was he. But I think I had a little more gas in the engine than he did. Yeah. Professor Allen, sorry. No, no. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm looking at your record uh, here, and it looks like you had fought in, the, in London about two months before that Ali fight. Right. So you must have gotten that call literally two weeks after a fight. And even with that, you, uh, you, you think you're... I, it's amazing that you could go 15 rounds with him and still be stronger uh, with, that, with that kind of schedule. 
Well, I was always in good shape anyway. I was I wasn't out of shape too often. So, uh, and I just I just fought a little while before I fought Muhammad. I already saw some action a few weeks before that. Right. So I was already in pretty good shape. So I didn't have to start uh, from point zero. You know, I was already in pretty good shape. So I just, all I had to get was a few sparring partners in town, and I was all set to go. Uh. Fantastic. Hey, guys, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take another quick break because that's what we do. And uh, when we return, we're going to... Of course, George, would you stay for us for another 20 minutes or so? Yeah. Fantastic. So we're going to take a quick break, guys. So, yeah, look at Jimmy. Jimmy's cup is empty. So we'll take a, a quick break. I'm just trying to find... When I, when I start talking like this, because I'm trying to find the right promo to play, I think we'll do Brian Brushwood. So uh, we'll be right back, folks. Hello, this is Brian Brushwood, host of Scam School. And I dreamed the dream of the perfect book show. And when I woke up, it was the book, guys. I love you. Guys. And we are back with the champ himself. I think, for me, one of my favorite boxers of all time, George Chavalo. And it's an honor to be here with you. And it was nice meeting you in the bar. Uh, the only reason I'm not starstruck right now is because we did spend some time in, uh, in Remo's a couple <laughs> weeks ago. So uh, at least I'm calm. I'm not shaking yeah, yeah. or anything, you know. Nice place, Remo's, huh? I love Remo's. Yeah, very cozy. I don't think I'm allowed there anymore, but no? it's, a, it's a story for another show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Somewhat <laughs> rowdy. That's, that's, that's for when Paul well, writes no, someone else was rowdy, but oh, that's yeah, not the point. Yeah. It's a great place. Uh, good karaoke, you know. You know yeah, Peter? Yeah. Peter does karaoke. Good friend yeah, of ours, ex-copper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, do you on sing Monday there? Nights are there. Mon- uh, Friday nights. Friday, is it Friday yeah, night? Yeah. Yeah. You ever sing? Do I ever sing? Yeah, what's to your... myself. Yeah, in the shower. Yeah, yeah shower, <laughs> like driving the car. <laughs> Fantastic. All man. my exes live in Texas. <laughs> oh man, that one. That's why I live in Tennessee. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, I, I hate to put a downer on this because we're having so much fun, but I, you know I gotta say one thing. What makes you tough? It's not just your chin. And I know you're tough. I, I, I heard a story about you having a broken nose in the middle of a fight. And, and when, the, when the ref called it off and rang the bell, you looked at the ref and you said something like, uh, are, you, are you freaking kidding me? No, that was in the George Foreman fight. Yeah. Uh, they stopped the fight. I said, well, I, I use pretty strong language. Yeah. I'll leave it to you, your imagination. Well, no, no. You, said, you, this is, the best thing about being on the internet radio is you can say, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, yeah. It's a, not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, that's, uh, that's, I said to the referee, what the fuck are you doing? You know, why, why are you stopping the fight? You know, I, mean, like, I, I was completely, uh, completely uh, perplexed. I said to myself, what the hell are you stopping the fight? Well, I, wasn't, I wasn't staggering. I right. wasn't ready to drop. He just saw your broken yeah. nose and he wanted well, to finish it. It wasn't even a broken nose. Nope. No. What I did have one time was a broken um, eye socket when I fought Joe Fraser. My, uh, my eyeball was pushed south of the border, and uh, after the fight, they pulled my eyeball out, put a piece of plastic silicone uh, in, in, in my eye socket, put my eyeball back in, and I was, I was good to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put your eyeball back in, you're good to go. You know what, uh, Sir Jimmy, if anyone ever deserves our sound effect, it's... That deserves it. George, really? Was that was yeah. that the uh, was that the worst you you ever got hurt in the ring? Do you think, or or what was the toughest? Well, I, I, uh, we know we, we 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 know that you were the toughest guy Muhammad Ali ever fought. Who was the toughest guy you fought in terms of? Well, it's, it's hard to punching. say 
tougher. Like Joe Frazier was very tough to fight. Uh, does that make him the toughest guy? Uh, well, there are different reasons why you call a guy tough. Could sure. be because he takes a hell of a shot. Well, it could be that he he's like nonstop, like a like a hurricane, never stops punching. You know, so so there's different there's different variations uh, to uh, uh, describing toughness and what it means to to you. It, it can mean a lot of different things, but they're, but they're all uh, they're all. Uh, descriptive and they're all uh, decidedly strong uh, using strong language about how tough a guy is how non-stop he is uh, not stop punching continuously going walking and punching from all angles you know tough to fight uh, you know and, and tough to hurt and uh, so so tough can describe a lot of things and that's where the point I'm getting to George uh, it's not it's not your chin it's not your stamina you faced battles outside the ring, uh, regardless of whether or not I'm a boxer, you're a boxer. You've you faced some really well, tough I've, challenges. I faced a lot of, I don't know, I'll just say one of the challenges so much, but just a, a lot of a lot of heartbreak, a yeah. lot of heart wrenching things that have happened in my personal life. Uh, with respect, you know, regarding my my sons, I had the four sons and a daughter, and I lost three sons to drugs, and I lost my wife to suicide at the loss of our second son. And uh, it was very tough to, to take. And and to add to all that, I lost my granddaughter last year. She was 30 years old. She was brilliant in school. She got a Governor General, Governor General Award, uh, Governor General's Award for Academic Excellence. She got 99 point something percent, almost wow. 100%. Very bright girl. But unfortunately, she uh, messed cancer. up with cancer. Cancer. Um, the time they they discovered it, it was already in stage four. Right, it was all over for. I, I know about stage four. My, my yeah. father died from cancer, and yeah. it was quick stage four yeah. cancer. And uh, I, I've never faced Joe Frazier or George Foreman, but I know that uh, facing cancer that way, even at fifty nine or thirty, it doesn't matter. It, it's, uh, it's tough. Uh, it's very difficult. They're difficult to see your beautiful granddaughter wasted away. My granddaughter was thirty years old when she died. She weighed forty pounds. Thirty-year-old wow. woman. Good God. You can only imagine how thin she was. She had, her legs were like, her calves were as thick as my baby finger. There's nothing wow. to her at the. Yeah, cancer is a huge problem. So so is suicide. I know we talked about that. And I, I just wanted to say on the show, uh, I do suffer from clinical depression at times, and I know that is a big contributor to suicide at times. Uh, I'm not afraid to say that. I have a little bit of a mental illness, um, but. I, I do want to say that uh, most of our listeners are in the USA and Canada. If you are considering suicide, here's the Suicide Prevention Hotline, if you're listening. 1-800-273-TALK. Call the line. Get some help. Book guys get serious sometimes, doesn't it, boys? Wow. You know? That, that just, all, all this talk has just brought up something that's kind of local and relevant and uh, timely. Um, I want to ask you, George. This is Jimmy. Um, the passing of uh, Hurricane Carter here in the last week. Oh yes. You got any thoughts on that? Did you know the man? Do you, any any goings on in your life? You guys ever cross paths? Yeah, we cross paths. He used to live in Toronto. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, he uh, yeah he uh, he came that. up here in nineteen. I'm just trying to think. I remember how long ago it was. Uh, uh, sometime in the 80s or late 80s and, or maybe early 90s 
and he came to Toronto with a with a group of uh, folks from the, from the U.S. and they settled down in uh, up in the northwest end of uh, of the city, and I got to meet him and we used to hang around. We got to be pretty chummy for a while, you know. Then then uh, we all went our separate ways in a way. That got a lot a lot a lot of different things happened, but anyway, he uh, he. Died of prostate cancer, I believe. Had a tough time with it, and uh, I remember him as a fighter. He was a damn good fighter. Uh, didn't make, wasn't, didn't have enough to be Joey Giardello, but Giardello was a pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty exceptional middleweight champion. Could box, could punch, and he was a tough guy for, to beat. And he had a very, uh, he had a tough 15 rounder, and uh, and, uh, and uh, I think. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Ruben did quite well, except he, after the 10th round, he kind of faded a little bit and that allowed Joey to take over. But uh, he was definitely a good fighter, and, and uh, he was trying to champion a cause for a uh, convicted, uh, I don't want to say murderer, because maybe they say he didn't murder the, the, uh, the guy he was charged with murdering, so... I don't want to call him a murderer, but he was found guilty of murder, and uh, there's some evidence uh, against uh, in the evidence that wasn't presented that that would have exonerated him, and uh, and Carter was trying to get that uh, to be a a reality, try to try to get him out of jail. So to his dying day, he was trying to help somebody else. So that was kind of neat. All right, hey, quick follow-up question. All right, uh, Irving Ungerman said that you were too old to fight when you was 39, and then George Foreman fought and, like, uh, beat Michael Moore when he was, like, 67 years old. So <laughs> what, what's that all about? Uh, Jim, Jimmy, let me cut in before George answers your question. George would beat the shit out of you right now, Jimmy, and how old are you? <laughs> George is 76. <laughs> I put my money on George. That's exactly half my age. <laughs> That's right. I'm 38. Actually, I come back at 38. And uh, or 39, rather, I think actually, yeah, 39. So I was just slightly over half my age, and uh, I felt pretty good. I didn't, I didn't fight for about three years, three and a half years, and I didn't look, look didn't look very good in a pair of trucks when I was 39 or so. But I tightened up a little bit with a couple of fights after that. But it was, uh, I was past my prime, no question. But I wasn't uh, really out of it. I mean, I was still, I still could fight. I just wasn't the same as I was, say, at 25 or or 29. You know, it wasn't quite the same. But I still, I still felt all right. I still, I still looked uh, presentable, and I still could have beaten I think, a number of guys uh, uh, who were rated in the top ten. I still think of a few guys that I could have beaten even in my advancing years. <laughs> Now, now, guys, I got a listener question here from Terry the Toy Guy for uh, George. And Terry the Toy Guy's question is, why did you never get a chance to fight for the British Commonwealth Championship? Well, you, you can't ask me that. You, what you're supposed to do is ask the British Boxing Board <laughs> and, uh, and why they wouldn't allow me to fight uh, or why they wouldn't allow Henry Cooper to defend the title. Right. I was ranked ahead of Henry Cooper uh, throughout my career in the world rankings. I was ranked ahead of him in the world rankings. Uh, and yet the British Boxing Board uh, would never uh, 
let me have a crack at him. Actually, the Canadian Boxing Federation also never made a stand on my behalf. Nary a, a one time. Nary a time. Not once did the Canadian Boxing Federation say to the British Boxing Board, George Chevalo deserves a title shot. He's ranked ahead of the Henry Cooper in the world rankings. He's been, it's been like that for a number of years, for a couple of decades, actually. And it's about time he got a title shot. But they would never press it. The British Boxing Board was the mother country, you know, and uh, as far as these guys were concerned, and they were intimidated by the British Boxing Board, and they never really made a stand on my, on my behalf, which, is, which was rather unsettling for me over a number of years. Yeah. I tried to get them to move. They wouldn't move. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't, have, didn't have the balls, old yeah. chap. Yeah. That's didn't have the balls. Because uh, as far as I'm, I know, uh, Canada's part of the British Commonwealth, is it not? I'm sorry? Canada's still part of the Commonwealth? Yeah, 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 last I heard. Last I heard. Yeah. Actually, actually, you want to hear something funny? I, I did my uh, DNA. I did my DNA, and uh, I found out I was part British. There I you go. How am I British? How the hell am I British? <laughs> That's a little. My focus from Bosnia is the governor, but I'm part. Uh, what am I? I'm forty-three percent Tunisian. There you go. To, to, uh, from North Africa to the former Yugoslavia. Breaking news. Tunisia. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm part Mongol, Mongol, and I'm part. Uh, there what is. the heck? I'm part North European, and then they said it was actually for, for Britain. Uh, so, so there you go. You wouldn't let a, a guy with a little bit of British blood. A Canadian, Canadian guy with British blood. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> and you I'm found also that out sooner. <laughs> and of course, you're Croatian. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so one, one more listener question. Did you make any money out of your juice that used to be on sale at Nobula Farms? And I think it was called One Punch. It wasn't called One Punch. It was George Chevalo. It's called George Chevalo's Punch. George Chevalo's Punch. Yeah. There you go. Well, that was the listener yeah. question. Did I make any money? I. I uh, we were just starting to make some money, and my my partner, who was the money, who was the money guy, he was from Jamaica. Yep. He had uh, problems over here, and he had to go back to Jamaica. Other problems he had to take. So all your money's in Jamaica. Yeah, that well, what you're it saying. Is, it is my money. It was, it was well, my money. Yeah, it became my money uh, in terms of the uh, of the uh, revenue. But uh, it, it started off with his money. So we started making a little bit of money. I made some. He made some, and then he had he had. Uh, Family problems, they had to go back to Jamaica. That was the end of it. But it would, it would, I think it still would have been selling yeah, today. Yeah, of course. I'd buy one right now. I'd drink one right now. Hey, George, I just want to let our American friends there, Professor Allen, yeah. Sir Jimmy, know that uh, George is as close as it gets to being a knight in Canada. He is a member of the Order of Canada, which is pretty much like being uh, you know, a knight in, in, in Britain. Uh, how, how did that happen? How did I get to be? Uh, yeah, the member of the Order of Canada. I don't know how it happened. They just phoned me up and they said, uh, "We'd like to honor you with uh, getting, you know, with the, the Order of Canada." And I was kind of surprised. I was t- kind of taken aback yeah, by it. So sure. I remember my son coming with me when I was. Uh, he was he was really uh, tickled pink, so to speak, yeah. uh, about that. My oldest son Mitchell and. Uh, <laughs> And it was quite an honor. I, I was, I caught, they caught me off guard. I was, I was kind of, I was really surprised that I would receive that. But anyway, I, I took it rather graciously. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now, what do you, well, do you get a medal? Do you get a, a like a, a document? Or? Yeah, there's a, there was a medal. Yeah, there's a medal. medal? Yeah, a medal. Yeah. Yeah. Does it hang in your living room, kind of thing, or it, it's well, in your drawer I have, somewhere? I have a, a glass cage that has a lot of my, uh, some boxing belts and yeah. some medals and stuff like that. So nice. It's in there with the other stuff. Fantastic. I have one more listener question. It's from Anonymous. It was me, actually. Does Rick Mercer punch like a girl? 
<laughs> like two girls. Like two girls. <laughs> <laughs> left and the right, left and the right. Left and the right, left and yeah, the right, yeah. yeah. That was a great well, setup. Hey, and, and, oh, and, and, I got and, one more listener question. Yeah, sure, go ahead. It's actually a listener uh, co-host question from, uh, from Nobot, my son. Oh, Nobot, nice. He says, he wants to know, what advice, George, would you give to a 13-year-old George Shavalo, knowing what you know now? I would say, never, don't, don't quit high school like you did uh, or the, in your other life, your previous life in grade 11. Go to school, get an education, better yourself, uh, become the best you can be. Now, when I say become the best you can be, I could also fight and become the best that I, that I could be, but also I could have, might have done something else in my life besides, uh, besides fight. Now, I'm not, I don't know what else I would have liked to do, liked to have done, rather. I think I would like to have been a criminal lawyer, by the, you know, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I think I would like to have been a criminal lawyer. I think so. But I don't know if I would be the, the boxing barrister. <laughs> I don't know what they would have called me. But uh, I loved boxing. I always loved boxing. I, I was enamored with him when I was a young boy, I, uh, and I, and I think I would have loved to. I would have liked to have been a lawyer, a criminal lawyer. I, I got to say one go. one thing, George. Uh, I didn't know that you had quit high school. I'm sorry. I didn't know you quit high school. Yeah, I quit in the grade. You are probably one of the more well-spoken guests and authors that we've had on the show. That's, and I'm not, I'm not joking. Yeah. We we've had Harvard graduates mm-hmm. and and just the total intellectual people mm-hmm. that have written a hundred books. And they've never been as well-spoken as you are, mm-hmm. and, and uh, your vocabulary is, is fantastic. And so you've obviously, screw high school, you've, you've learned along the way. That's right. I just remember, I remember my grade 11 teacher, Mr. Green, and he said to me, George, you're going to be nothing but a construction worker. That's, that's as far as I would get in life. Well, fuck you, Mr. Green. <laughs> Look where George is now. That's right, Jimmy. Throw that up. Yeah. yeah but I, was, I wasn't much of a student in high school. I, I, was, okay. I was okay. I, I skipped grade I skipped grade four, though. I did well when I was really young in school. I, and I, I did well in high school until I got into grade 11. And I just kind of lost interest because I was boxing at the time. Yeah. And I was Canadian champion when I was going to high school. Yeah. And so my... My passion at that time wasn't education so much, but boxing. So I, I turned pro at 18, which is the youngest you can you can be when, you, when you're boxing. Turned pro at 18, and uh, I loved boxing. And it was my life, and uh, I'm fairly happy with the way my career turned out. And uh, it's been exciting. It's been a, and, and it seems it seems you have, you have a new passion now. I know that you're. Uh, when I was watching the Rick Mercer fight, I know that was a. You know, a little bit staged and, yeah, and yeah, fun thing, yeah. but it was for charity. And I know that you you were involved in a lot of uh, charity work. Uh, well, I'm also my own charity work was George Fowler fighting against drugs, uh, and I'm also I've been I've helped other charities, uh, and you know, being going to events and helping raise money for a, a host of charities, including one of my own. So, uh, fight against drugs is is big for you. Of course, you have personal reasons for that. So, George Shavalo, Fight Against Drugs. Where can folks find that? Where can they help and contribute? I'm sorry? So, it's fightagainstdrugs.ca. Is that that it? That's right. Fightagainstdrugs.ca, folks. If you're in Canada, all around the world, check that out. That's George Shavalo's website. George Shavalo, Fight Against Drugs. A wonderful cause. And there is a donate button there. 
throw a couple bucks their way. Uh, I've met the guy, he's solid. I don't know much about the charity. Uh, Sir Jimmy, I know we looked at Bill Clinton's charity. We read the form uh, 990. 990. Yeah, and we knew that uh, you know, Clinton's foundation is a bunch of crap. But uh, just from meeting George and shaking his hand, I know that, uh, that, that, that foundation is worth a donation. So go for it, folks. It's fightagainstdrugs.ca. What we need to do is take George's book, and we need to get his book on Audible. Maybe somebody needs to like, turn this into an audio book, and we'll take some of that money and donate. Hey, we were talking about that, that during the break. break. That, that's between me and George and the publisher. We'll sort it out. We'll get on Audible, and maybe they can donate us some, a little bit to fightagainstdrugs.ca. For sure. Oh, good times, George. Yeah, yeah, good. Hey, George, good Irving Ungerman still alive? Uh, the good die young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, hang on, I'll give you one. I love yeah. that. <laughs> oh, good Lord. You guys, you guys. Um, <laughs> Let's end off by talking about, uh, we, we were last Thursday, Greg, Catherine, and uh, Sandra, and myself, and a bunch of other people, and Steve Amor, we were down at the Ford Nation uh, at the launch for Mr. Rob Ford, yeah. and there you were on stage giving yeah. a little speech at the beginning. Well, he's now, a friend of mine. Yeah? Yeah. His older brother, Randy, used to run around with my son, Georgie Lee. <laughs> they used to terrorize the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. What was, uh, was Rob always a portly fellow? Yeah, he's yeah, always, he always been <laughs> around. He, he used to be short and stout. Now he's tall and stout. Now I, I, I got to ask you. I, I'm a supporter. I, I I love Rob. I think he's honest he's and, and, and friendly. Yeah. And, and despite his personal problems, yeah. as he says, the past is the past. <laughs> you know. But uh, t- tell me, uh, I guarantee you, a dollar to a donut, he'd be a landslide winner. I, I'm there. Uh, yeah. Actually, yeah, he will. Be. You know, like the the polls now say that by, uh, Olivia Chow is going to win by twenty percent. And I remember oh, on election oh. night four years ago, they said. He was losing by 20%. Yeah. And then I was, in the, I was standing in line listening to AM 1010, yeah. News Talk Radio, CFRB, yeah. and I had heard in my headphones, Rob Ford is the de facto winner, it's done. Yeah. And there was a lady campaigning in line in front of me, yeah. and I forgot who she was running for or promoting. I said, lady, you can't campaign in line. This is illegal. And she said, well, my candidate's going to win. I said, well, I just heard on my radio in my ears that Rob Ford already won. So you might as well just go home. <laughs> you know, and he won it with 47% of the vote yeah. last time. Not bad. Uh, uh, most votes ever for a Toronto candidate yeah. in any... Actually, sorry. Most votes uh, percentage winning-wise and uh, numbers-wise for any candidate in Canadian history ever. Yeah. That's how he won last time. And I think even if he slogs like 10%. Yeah. Well, I don't think that many people are, are really disenchanted with Rob anyway, you know what I mean? You, yeah. You hear people, some of the papers have been knocking him, but, uh, but the average guy in the street who voted for him, I think will still vote for him. Yeah. It still has their vote. The other people, like, like I look at uh, uh, Olivia Chow, and I think, I say to myself, here's a person, I, I don't like, I shouldn't, I feel bad knocking her in a way, but I don't really know that well. But I mean, she and her husband, uh, Layton, Jack Layton, yeah. Living, living. Yeah, living in community housing. Yeah, they, millionaires. A couple of hundred yeah. thousand dollars together, and and they're mooching off the city, get, getting uh, subsidized housing, which could have been used for people who really needed it, and yet they, they took uh, a shot at that. So, 
Sir Jimmy's got his uh, iPad up. What's up, Jimmy? Oh, I was just trying to tell everybody to look into the cameras. It was going to take a screen cap. Look right, into the on, camera. Hang on. Hang on. We'll do that live. Hey. We'll do that live. Hang on. Let's look hey, into Here we go. One, two, three. Squatro. All right. Thank you. All right. It's a great Jeez. moment. George, in the middle of a show where people are still asking for pictures. Uh, that's all right. And this is a radio show, for Christ's sake. <laughs> it is. It's a radio show on the interwebs. <laughs> Not bad. Uh, guys, uh, you know what? We, we've taken up way too much of George's time, and thank you, and God bless you for taking oh, all your time. Thanks for having today. me. I appreciate it. This is that. great. Shaking so generous. Thank you, sir. Thank Very you. generous. Uh, George, thank you great so much. It's you. George Chevalos, A Fighter's Life, soon to be on audio. You can get it now on Amazon. Just search for George Shuvalo, C-H-U-V-A-L-O. Great story. Uh, if you love boxing, even if you don't love boxing, just if you like great people, if you like good biographies, George Shuvalo's A Fighter's Life. Check it out, folks. We will put a link in the show notes, yes? And um, this is the time I play that jingle. Is that time, boys? Oh, gosh. Is, is it that time? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much that time. Do you have another question? No? Oh, I just... I don't know. Hey, uh, Professor Allen, who do you think can take a, a bigger punch? Tina Turner or George Shavalo? <laughs> you want some cake, baby? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got a smile. I love it. Uh, listen, Ike, Ike Turner has nothing on George. George yeah. will beat the crap out of you if he has to. <laughs> Thank you, George. Okay, thanks, guys. Great to meet you, George. That's another week. Another week done. Thank you, Professor Allen. Thank you, Jimmy. We'll be back next week. Same book time. time. Same, book, Same channel. book channel. I'm sure we'll have another great guest. Not as great as George, though. You got a lot to live up to. Take it away, Jeff Gurner. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Book Guide Show will return next week. Same book time. Same book channel. Hi, I'm George Chavallo, and uh, I just want to tell you how much fun I'm having here with my good buddy, Paul and asking me to talk a little bit on the show and promote my book called uh, Shivalo, A Fighter's Life. And, and it's, I think it's a pretty good read. It took me a year and a half to do, and it's, uh, it's got a lot of interesting stuff there. And if you're interested in, in boxing and a boxer's life, I think it gives you a pretty good insight. And uh, I hope you buy it. Uh, I hope you buy them, not it, not singular, plural, them. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Having a good time, having a nice time up here. Uh, some nice people. Paul's a very entertaining guy. And uh, we're having some fun up here. And it's been a nice evening. It's really been a, a cool kind of evening in here. Uh, we're talking. Everything's kind of easy and breezy. And uh, we're having some fun. And I'm going to, as I say that, I get a, a chance to say uh, au revoir, uh, goodbye, la uh, canoche, which means the easy night in Croatian, my mother's language and my father's language. <laughs> anyway, la canoche, as they say, easy night. <laughs>